0: amen why don 't you go ahead and have a seat and uh, um, in just a second, I want to uh, start our discussion off we, we've ta- we've decided to kind of take on a little bit of a uh, n- another one of the tough subjects of addiction it 's a pretty broad subject um, and uh, but uh, we 'll just kind of talk a little bit about that but um, I wanted to start uh, one of my best buddies, uh, a guy that uh, has, has become a really good friend and over the years just um a real key people probably don't have any idea what a key george nelson has been at athi creek uh, just just on every level uh from you know just spiritual leadership to t- uh, just even uh technical know-how uh, helping us get this building done and and throughout you know getting kicked out of schools and uh warehouses in wilsonville like george has always been a real key part of everything going on here at Athey. and um but it's so cool because um when I first met George um, uh, I'd heard about this guy who, who could bench uh, you know 600 and, you know something pounds uh, and I'm like I'm looking for this huge you know young guy and uh, where's this guy that can lift and I first met him he, you know he's uh, you know uh, he's a little older than me uh, and I was like wow and he's not he's not not super huge like for the, some of these power lifters and um, but uh, sure enough in his 60s he was uh, benching over 615. I went and watched him break a world record, uh, um, and it was pretty awesome, you know. Um, uh, you know, these are you got to understand. There's there's um, people that lift, um, and the drug guys, the you know the I call them horses. Um, th- those guys, they you know some of those guys are lifting. You know these big you know, 300, 400 pound men are lifting a thousand pounds now on a bench but uh, those are all juiced up, uh, you know, stallions. Uh, I'm not even sure we could call them humans uh, anymore, but but in the drug-free uh, kind of federations where guys are lifting for real, uh, uh, George was killing it and, uh, and breaking records, and, um, and, and you know, what was so cool about that is just to see uh, a guy, he, he told me, hey, Brett, I could add 100 pounds to your bench press and he, 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 easy, you know, and I was like, no way, man, I've been working on the bench for years, you know, and, and I used to compete when I was younger, and so I thought, you know, I'd kind of pushed it as far as I was going to be able to push it. And um, sure enough, in six months, he got 600 a hundred more pounds on my bench press uh, with just some training, some technique. Uh, teaching me how to warm up, uh, as I was getting older, warming up is kind of an important thing, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, George is one of those guys strong, uh, for sure, physically, uh, those of you that play the turkey bowl, it's a little embarrassing watching George out there hurting people, you know, and when he's in his 70s out playing the turkey bowl, um, hitting people pretty hard, uh, it just kind of cracks me up, uh, you know, um, but, uh, um, but but not only is he just a strong dude, he's he's a strong guy uh, spiritually as well, and um, just a real rock. And, and um, so what I want to do is get you to know George a little bit. So we uh, we had Kaipo sit down with George and do a little interview uh, about um, you know really uh, one, George dealt with some serious addiction, uh, so serious that his buddies at work um, basically uh, intervened. And he'll mention that in this. So let's take a little view of this video.
1: Well, George, uh, man, you've been here at Eighty Creek for a while. One of the first questions I wanted to ask was, how, how'd you get here? You know, what, what's your story mm. as far as coming to Athey Creek?
2: Um, I was searching around Portland somewhat for, for a, a church to go, go to, and um, uh, a friend of mine, um, through another friend, just said that uh, there was a pastor that just came up from Medford that was a pretty good bench presser. Ah, huh, okay. And so I You're was... You're talking about Tad, of course, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is <laughs> okay. Tad here? Uh, uh, so I, I thought I would just explore it since I was just kind of looking for a place to go anyway, a uh, uh, church to attend. And, and as it turned out, it, that was in 1998, and we've been uh, here ever since. Brett married Shelly and I. Uh, actually, not all that many years after that in, in about three years. So. Um, just found a, a home to stick to.
1: Yeah, when uh, before those years of coming to Athey, um, what were some of those experiences that really drew you to the Lord, to Athey Creek, that sort of brought you mm. from uh, where you're at to where you're at now?
2: Well, I, I started a, a logging company when I was pretty young. I was 24, uh, and, I, and it, it occupied me totally, just about, uh, I would say. And and it left little room for um, much of anything else. Mm. And so, uh, but I was always looking, and I could see people of faith or people that had the, the Lord in their life, they had a different take to them. Mm. They had a, a a clearer look, a spiritual awakening inside of them. And I, it took me a long time to figure that figure that <laughs> out, but I finally did.
1: Um, In those years, you know, it's no no surprise. I mean, you've been clean from alcohol for about how long now? 32 years. 32 years. So walk through us what sort of drew you into that and then how you were really able to have success uh, for these 32 years.
2: I suppose I I just uh, uh, looking for uh, something to fill that hole in my heart. uh, And it was readily accessible, and I didn't have to learn anything other than how to drink. Mm-hmm. And I, I became good at it and then uh, you know and it it, uh, it kind of it, it got out of hand. Um, I was uh, I got some I, I got a letter from one of the mills that I logged for that said if I don't go into a treatment center um, a specific one because sure. I had been to two already okay. um, that they would not issue me another contract so I I was. Extremely Motivated. irritated. Yeah. Let's okay. say by that, but I did follow up mm-hmm. on it, and that's really where it all started. Um, and oddly enough, it was in the treatment center that um, a priest talked to me, <laughs> which you know you can say what you, what you want, you know. But it, it was, I guess, just a taste of the of the Bible, sure, and and of and of how um, how good things could be sure. Yeah.
1: sure there's a there's a quote that I, I saw as I was you know studying on George D George <laughs> Nelson um, the, the quote that I think you had said was uh, I gave up one bar for another and uh, maybe walk through us that that transformation of you know giving up alcohol and how you know weightlifting and Whatever. going into some of that stuff um, I don't know transformed yeah. transformed you for a little bit there.
2: when I was at when I was at this particular treatment center I um, it was in Palm Springs, so it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, they had a little gym, a small gym. And I hadn't, I hadn't worked out before. And so I, uh, but they allowed me to go there. They, they were curious of me because I was the first logger, let's call it, that, oh, okay. that had ever been to that particular center. And, and it was, uh, so they were kind of keeping an eye on me. So they, they put me in the gym, and, and there was a young man, was 18. Skinny, and he could bench more on a, on a machine than I could. And uh, I kind of just didn't do bench while I was there after that. Uh, but, but I came home, and, and as, when I, once I came home, I started uh, uh, an exercise regime uh, to take the place of alcohol. Once I hit a bench press of 300 pounds, he said, you know, I think you could do okay in a master's meet. And so, so I I did one and went went up to Washington, up to by Seattle, and placed third in my division and stuff. And I, but I, I got the bug, and there was guys there that I kind of took a beat on and said, okay.
1: "I'll get you." Coming for you. I'm coming for you. Yeah, yeah. So George, at your prime. I know all of us guys here are just curious, you know. At your prime, 60. 60? <laughs> so we've got a ways for the rest of us oh, to get to our prime. Yeah, yeah. Um, at your prime, what were you lifting? What what was it that uh, you the, were? Uh... The most
2: I did in a in the gym, and it was my gym, but it was six forty, and that was an accident. Um, I was kind of irritated with my liftoff guy on my workout, and he we had um, six plates on each side, and he asked, well, what do you want now? And I just said, I don't care. <laughs> and so he just loaded it, and I didn't pay attention to it, and it went up. So, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You know. When everything goes right, you can lift a lot. Yeah. And it, to hit the, you know, I started uh, actually breaking the world record was at 425 when I first broke it, and, mm-hmm. and I moved it up to 615. Mm-hmm.
1: Is that still holding? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, you've, you've I got have two, what? I have
2: two holding right two now. Two holding left? Yeah, okay. Uh, they've held for tw- 13 years now. Okay.
1: Is there any sign of them being
2: broken by anybody? Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. Crossing your fingers? Yeah. Uh, I know, that's <laughs> why I have to lift a little bit. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it, that's back a ways, too. I, I was 13 years younger. Okay. Which, that's not that much. That's no. not that
1: much. No. So, George, you've got. World records still holding. Uh, you know, um, it's funny how with guys, it seems like we're the bench is really what s- sort of uh, solidifies us as a man. Oh yeah. Wherein if you aren't, then you're you know less of a man. But I think about these world records and you know all these things that you've done. Uh, are those things still fulfilling as maybe they were
2: back in your prime? No, uh, you know it goes away. It, it it's it's uh, in fact it's it's uh, well. It's rewarding for an instant mm-hmm. um, there's there's no long term you know it's fun to look back at some of the scrapbooks and stuff like that and have some memories sure but for fulfillment I mean it's uh the Lord's the only
1: mm-hmm.
2: the only way that that, that that's truly going to be um and you you can realize that and mm-hmm. and it's nice to have things like um other things that you've done in your life that that uh you can you can say hey you know it's great, but it's That's then, and this is now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know, I guess thinking about that, you know, alcohol being that first void, the attempt to fill that void, Mm -hmm. and then weightlifting sort of taking the place of that, Mm -hmm. uh, how would you say the transition from maybe weightlifting to where you're at now, you know, leading the Mm -hmm. church here at Athey Creek and uh, being one of the governing elders, uh, what would you say the transformation or the role shift has been uh, for that?
2: Well, one thing that that shifted it, Probably more than anything is I married Shelley, mm-hmm. and we had two wonderful kids. Mm-hmm. Once I once we got married and, and let's say just settled down, I just changed my direction. Uh, uh, I wasn't a a um, an governing elder here, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning. Sure. Of course not. I don't know why Brett picked me, <laughs> <laughs> but some time ago he did, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it's just uh, it's just been um, heart filling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a reason that the, that, you know, in order for me to, to have the Lord work in my life, I've got to, or, or for me not to be, um, the wrong guy, mm-hmm. I need to be around sure. these people, mm-hmm. you, you people that mm-hmm. this is, uh, and there's not such a thing as really too much. Mm-hmm. Thinking
1: about that idea of accountability, uh, surrounding yourself mm-hmm. with, you know, good godly guys, yeah. um, pointed back to this idea of addiction of man. um, uh, needing to fill our souls with something, um, what are some things that you would encourage guys who are in the thick of maybe alcoholism, pornography, you know, addiction to medications, a lot of these things, how would you encourage them to uh, get out of that slump, whether it's you know, through you finding accountability or, or whatever else? Maybe, maybe give us some tips.
2: Well, I think accountability is a big thing, but I also think that, that, there, that uh, a guy can put what I call hurdles in front of um, bad things. Mm. You do, in, in other words, you just shore yourself up and you don't go near it. It's like when Brett talks about um, how, how bad can I be as a Christian, you know, right on the edge of the fence. Sure, yeah. how, how bad can I be and still be saved? Yeah. Um, in, in, in trying to stay sober or staying sober takes maybe a little more effort than that. Mm. It takes, you, ha, you, you need to... Um, or I needed to uh, put obstacles to keep me away from mm-hmm. the things I shouldn't be near, and and that, that that's not that hard. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the 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 key, though I th- I believe is um, being around godly men. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was told that, that aids me and and it and it helps me telling other guys other guys about addictions is um, I imagine a giant. Anaconda or Python and it's it's right here its head is right here mm-hmm. behind me and when I'm Doing the things that I'm supposed to do and I'm and I'm and I don't have any Distractions uh, with drugs alcohol or anything like that both eyes are shut and you know what a snake eyes looks like when they're shut It's just mm-hmm. a, a screen that comes down over if I were to go by a, a bar or something like that and I look and I keep going um, that big snakes Eyelid just opens up a little mm. bit, and that—that's the one right there that's after me. Mm-hmm. And if I can keep both his eyes shut, we're all good. <laughs> that helped me for a long time. Yeah. You know, it gets easier as time goes on. You get, you know, I—I I remember thinking, man, if I—I—I I, I listen to someone speak that's got a year, and I'm going, wow, they've been a year. Yeah. And then there's five years, and then there's ten years, and you know, life goes on, and you you change how you are and how you think. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe maybe talk to those guys who aren't at the 32-year mark right yeah. now, and they've they've gone five years, yeah. and then they the, the snake the snake eyes open, uh-huh. and they got they got taken up, yeah. or they went seven, ten. So maybe talk to the situation of those guys who mm-hmm. they've they've fallen back into it. Yeah, they and have, and they've relapsed, and
2: and it's hard to feel. It's almost worse then than than oh, when they're. So yeah. maybe t- talk to that and. A lot of my friends, in fact, most of my friends all um, slipped, they call mm-hmm. it. That's, that's what it's called. And, and, and um, I think it's like 3%
1: that
2: don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that they don't get sober again. Mm-hmm. It just means that they slipped. Uh, and sometimes the slip lasts for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. But that's where the guarding of yourself and the hurdles and the, and the, uh, the things that you put in the way of you you, can't, you, you don't really put things in the way of alcohol or the bad stuff or the drugs. You've you, you got to put it in your way because it's too close to those things, and you can get too close to those things mm-hmm. if it's not. So you've got to have the hurdle back a ways.
1: Sure. You know, I think what you're talking about, it really just embodies that verse in Proverbs 16 where it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, uh, but its end is the way of death. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think yep. our way of encouraging other guys is hopefully seeing that way of death Instead of this enticement that's going to fulfill their soul, uh-huh. it really is this snake. It's yeah. really this yeah. this way of death. Yeah. Uh, but we just get tricked into thinking, oh, this is this is
2: what's going to fulfill yeah. us. It's, uh, you know, and it's not just alcohol or it's not just drugs. Our minds kind of can trick us and say, well, yeah, you, yeah, you can be a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, we can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not even a little bit. If you had
1: to do it a different way, like if there is the ideal path for you to take... Would you still have gone through all these things, still have gone through the addiction, still have gone through all that stuff, to be where you're
2: at now? This is the most rewarding. The, mm-hmm. This, Just being and in, in, in having the Holy Spirit backing me up and, mm-hmm. and uh, life is just, uh, there's not uncertainty because Jesus has me covered. Yeah,
1: amen. Hey, George, it's been a, a real pleasure just getting to hear from you and yeah. hearing, you know, where the Lord's taking you. I uh, appreciate all your insight. And, um, yeah, thanks for all you do. Appreciate yes. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <was> good. <laughs> that's good stuff. Um, you know, uh, Bren and I are working on, we got to write a book because George has the best stories, man. If you ever get George telling some logging stories and uh Bench Press Stories, uh, there's, there's, he's got some great stuff uh, that, that he's been through and that he's done, so it, it'll make a great book someday, I think. Um, but, you know, um, uh, today, uh, we, you know, we, as we kind of consider the issue of uh, addiction, it's kind of a, um, it's a tough one, and it's broad because there's so many kinds of addictions, you know, um, uh, it basically is, is that which holds millions and millions of men. Uh, in bondage, you know substances, uh, activities, uh, attractions, uh, and 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 you know it's interesting how these things can really ruin lives. and and there's some that are very sinister, others that don't seem so sinister. And, and we, we put our own labels on them, you know, and, um, you know, if it's alcohol or pornography you know, or something like that, we kind of, but what if it's uh, Taco Bell? You know, I mean, it's, there's, there's so many things we can all get uh, tangled into. And, um, you know, and, and the thing that's interesting is um, being in ministry as long as I have, um, I, I used to be shocked as a young man who was struggling with stuff. And um, and the longer I've been at it, the more I'm realizing almost everybody's struggling with something, uh, some form of addiction. And um, and uh, it's rare to meet that guy that I, you know I can really look at him and think, man, are you you're just actually kind of not struggling with addiction? Like that's a rare occasion. Um, um, and and uh, and then the question of who's really being honest and and letting us all know anyway. Um, but uh, so it's, it's sometimes the, the least least uh, person you'd expect sometimes struggling with, with with uh, things. There was one guy um, that, at, years ago at Applegate uh, that I remember. Uh, I thought that's the perfect guy, and um, and uh, you know I really thought that he was the one guy really squared away. You know, as a younger guy, I looked looked up to him, and um, uh, and then it came out he pretty much lost everything because he had a gambling. Uh, addiction, and, um, and that was a very real struggle. But he, man, nobody even knew. Uh, you know, it was one of those things that uh, even his wife really didn't know. And, 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 and because of that, you know, that secrecy, uh, and then it becomes a self loathing, and, um, and then it leads to kind of this isolation. You're living kind of two different lives, especially when you're trying to cover up certain addictions, and, and you're dealing with lows and guilt, fear of being found out, and it's, it's really quite dastardly. Um, you, know, the, you know, the the idea of the, the snake that George was talking about, it's a great image because, you know, the devil, the serpent, um, the snake, if you would, he, he's, he's right there looking uh, and he wants to devour you. You know, the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he got, you know, Eve in the garden and Adam there in the form of a serpent. Uh, so it's a, it's a right image there. Um, but, you know, um, interesting how addiction... Um, it, it, you know it involves you know trying to define addiction is, is an interesting thing and I've read a lot about addiction definitions and uh, there's actually disagreement uh, in the experts uh, but um, but it, we do know this it involves you know craving for something intensely um, loss of control really over uh, whatever use uh, that activity or that substance kind of not being able to really control and and, uh, and, and continuing with that appetite for whatever that is, no matter what the consequences. That's where addiction starts to kind of uh, show itself, uh, you know, where you, you sort of throw caution to the wind. Uh, and it changes, you know, it changes your brain function, you know. Um, um, it, it's interesting, the more I've, I've studied this, you know, the, the pleasure centers in the, in the brain, you know. And um, and basically, it, it takes part of what God created in us to be motivated to do certain things, you know, learning and motivation so that we could survive as humanity. Take, take for example, the drive, you know, one of the key fundamental drives in human nature is sexual drive. Um, and that's a good thing because man, procreation uh, and, and we uh, are fruitful and we multiply on the earth and that's something that God created but but often what God means for good, Satan will try to corrupt and tweak and so um, using those those pleasure centers of the brain and then trying to um, you know, what, what actually happens which is interesting um, is the flooding of those pleasures in those pleasure centers with things that are sort of artificial um, you know, uh, uh, it's interesting, you know, um, whether you're talking about any of those things, alcohol, drugs, uh, gambling, and the, the dopamine that starts to, uh, you know, uh, uh, flood your brain with those things that give you, um, you know, sort of some kind of pleasure. It's interesting. There's kind of a new one, by the way, that um, everybody's talking about in, in the world of psychology, um, uh, nomophobia. And nomophobia, CNN did a thing on this um, uh, you, you might be one of the growing numbers of Americans who have nomophobia. And what that is, um, it's, it's this. It's, um, it's no mobile phone phobia. That if you, if you literally start to get a bead of sweat running down your you know, forehead when your phone, you left it at home. Huh, what do I do? I don't have my phone. You know, and and if, you're, if you're not there, it's a 21st century term, you know, fear of not being able to use your cell phone. Um, and, and cell phone addiction... Uh, or other smart devices, you know, it's on the rise. And all the surveys are seeing it, especially in teenagers, where it's at very unhealthy levels. And, and we're actually seeing legitimate. Uh, damage and problems, everything from, you know, uh, accidents on the highway, uh, people driving, but um, neglect, um, you know, parents, their kids drowning in the pool while they're texting their friend. Like it it, 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 it pulls you into this other world and people, uh, it, 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 they, they believe it's literally harming um, our minds, you know. Um, and so, you know, addiction, the word addiction is derived from a Latin term, by the way, um, which, which is interesting. The Latin term really co- coincides with the Bible. That means, uh, from the Latin, it's a term that, that comes from the, the term, um, to be enslaved by or bound to, um, why don't you grab your Bible with me and, uh, and turn to John chapter eight and Jesus had some things to say about this. Um, in fact, Jesus actually said several things about addiction, um, the red letters, but John chapter 8, we'll begin with Jesus and we'll end with Jesus today um, because in some ways I I look at addiction uh, from the one-step program and that is Jesus. It's all Jesus, everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, if you follow his plan, his purpose and the things he told us to do, you will have great success. Um, It's a one-step program, following Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, but but, uh, easier said than done, isn't it? But it is, I think, a very important one. Jesus said in John chapter 8, uh, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Um, this is what it means to be addicted, to be a slave to or bound to something that's wrong. And, um, and that's what sin wants to do. You know, by definition, I think, in, in biblical terms, sometimes we see that sin often does do that. It binds you up. And, uh, and Jesus warned us about that. Flip over to Second Peter real quick. I'm going to have you bounce around a little bit today. Second Peter, uh, there toward the end of the New Testament. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, on this idea of the Latin word for addiction, enslaved by, or bound to... Um, in Second Peter chapter two, verse nineteen, it says, um, "Well, let's back up to verse eighteen. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure, a, 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 allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escape from them who live in error, while they promise them liberty." They themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. It's this idea of, you know, they offer, uh, you know, freedom, liberty, but really those addictions really are meant to ensnare, you know, it's over-promise, under-deliver. You know, it's interesting I think it's interesting that um, when I was a kid, when they when they recognized that advertising cigarettes was not a good idea. Um, do you guys remember that? I remember cigarette commercials on TV. Um, but then some of you guys are young enough, you, you've never seen a cigarette commercial on TV. Um, by the way, one of the things in... Um, in Europe, uh, I'm always reminded when I go to Europe how man I I forgot there was smoke everywhere. Remember when smoke used to be everywhere? Remember when you'd go on a flight and 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 they had the smoking section and the non-smoking section? What a joke! Uh, you, you, know, you know, all the smokers had to be in the back. You know, but. They, you might as well have been sitting in the back. The smoke went through the whole, you know, plane. And um, but uh, but in Europe, you know, you, you you know, we'd be eating this wonderful Italian, um, you know, meal, and then the table right next to it, they all light up cigarettes, and we're just like, <coughs> you know, the pizza that was so delicious, uh, now it tastes like cigarette smoke. But but uh, I'm really thankful that in, in the United States, we really have in the public setting, kind of, you know. Got, got rid of the whole cigarette smoke thing because you almost forget how bad it was when I was a kid. Um, but, but it's interesting that they realized that, wow, making cigarette smoking like it's a good thing and advertising and it was all the cool people on TV, that's what they used to do. Uh, but, um, but they realized, that's uh, probably not healthy. And then they put the warning of the Surgeon General, you know, it's a harmful, you know, and then, then, then maybe some of you guys, remember the Marble, Marlboro Man? Um, you know, uh, it was this, you know, cowboy that was supposed to be tough and he had a cigarette, you know, it was really cool. But then, you know, I remember in the 90s, remember the commercial where the Marble Man's like, um, he's riding his horse and he's talking to his buddy, I missed my lung, Bob. You know, it's like, like I wish I had that lung back, you know. Um, and, it, you know, and they started realizing you got to kind of, uh, you know, get people to get away from that addiction. Um, it's funny because for some reason, cigarette smoking, we, we got to that point, well, yeah, it's kind of bad for you. And everybody kind of knows it. How many other addictions are we still advertising as it's wonderful and it's still awesome and it's you know it's not as dangerous as cigarette smoking? You know the whole sexual you know uh, advertisement, uh, you know using sexual promiscuity and and you know whatever to lure us to movies and to to uh, you know advertising of things. You know it's it's something that is an unhealthy behavior, and we see all kinds of sexual dysfunction in our society but nobody's willing to admit the problem that we have and so it's just one of those things they dangle in front of you it's the same old play and it's over promising and it's under delivering yeah that's the truth in the same way that smoking cigarettes did Um, same thing with sex outside of marriage you know they make it look like it's so glamorous in the movies and even in the commercials And, and pornography you know makes it look like it's this big wonderful thing Meanwhile, they're not showing the real ramifications: torn up families, um, cervical cancers, and STDs that have you know co- cost people their lives. Nobody really wants to talk about that stuff. Um, it's it's really what they're they're saying here in Second Peter chapter two, verse nineteen: While they promised liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For whom of whom a man is overcome of the same he has brought. Into bondage, and so addiction, you know, exerts a long, powerful, lasting influence on your brain. That's the that's the thing that's tricky. It's 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 something. It's not just a long-lasting influence on your life, but it's on your brain, and it and it manifests itself with cravings, the objects of our addictions, loss of control over you know your what you really want to do and, and and where you want to go. Um, you know, it's interesting. For many years, experts believe the only real addiction that you could really define was alcohol and drugs. But um, you know, um, in neuroimaging, which is interesting, you know, the technology has gotten so amazing now, uh, it is interesting what they've learned about addiction with some of the neuroimaging that they could do now. They, they find that you know, there's um, certain pleasurable activities such as gambling, uh, shopping for some, sex, eating certain foods, and it can also co-opt your brain's functions in, in this a- area of the pleasure, you know, of the brain. You know, the brain registers pleasure kind of in the same way. When you feel pleasure, um, you know, it's it's, it's um, whether it's a, you know, psychoactive drug or even a monetary win or reward or a sexual encounter or a satisfying meal. Um, your brain registers in similar ways, Um and it has to do with the nucleus um, uh, acumens, uh, a cluster of nerve cells that kind of lie uh, underneath the cerebral cortex. And, and right there, um, you have this uh, release of dopamine, which uh, kind of gives us this uh, feeling of it's tied to uh, pleasure. Um, and, and so what happens is when, when we do drugs or alcohol or whatever, it's sort of an artificial way to stimulate that stuff. And, and uh, sexual pleasure and even food and all that stuff. Um, it sort of floods that area. But the problem is there's a learning process. Your brain learns what, that, what, what caused that and what made you feel good. And it learns, but it only de-intensifies as time goes by, which means you need to feed it more and, and even take it to a next level. And that's what addiction often does. It makes you uh, start to get to ridiculous needs because over-promising, under-delivering, just like the Bible kind of says about that. You know, so, the, you know, the reward circuit in your brain basically, uh, you know, includes areas involved with motivation and your memory um, with, along with pleasure. And so addictive substances, you know, they start to, you know, stimulate the, the, the same circuit, and then start to overload that circuit. That's the problem. And then repeat that over and over again, you've got problems. Um, and the studies on this are really interesting. And, and, and so what they've started to realize is, um, man, it's much more than just drugs and alcohol. It's all those things. Uh, uh, there's so many things. And even the use of your, of your uh, you know, smartphone uh, starts to tap into those same pleasure centers of the brain and, and, and have the same needs to be fulfilled, um, and so you know we're broadening our uh, our you know definitions of what are addicting. Now, now here's where it gets a little tricky. Um, much of psychology will then say, "See, and so um, it's a disease. All of these things are disease." And I understand what they're trying to say there, but here's the thing that's a little tricky: the Bible still calls it sin. And one of the problems with calling our addictions a disease, um, um, it, it, the problem is it it tends to psychologically allow us to dismiss ourselves from what the Bible actually calls sin and say I'm a victim we love being victims uh, it makes us feel better about ourselves but I, it's not my fault that I'm an alcoholic it's not my fault that I that I overeat it's not my fault that I you know do this or that or the other thing um, but but actually uh, the Bible still says no it's still your fault um, and that's something that I want to kind of make clear one of the Maybe distinctions as a Christian man is to just recognize sin for what it is, because I believe one of the beginning steps to recovery uh, is to recognize sin in our own lives, um, and that's something we'll we'll get in here. You know, recognizing addiction. Let me ask you guys. Let's let's throw it out for a little public. Uh, if you've got a um, a nice loud voice, let's try sort of one at a time. Uh, what what is a sign? that you might be addicted to something. Anybody want to give me one uh, one sign that you might say, okay, I, I might be addicted to something. Anybody want to take a stab? What's that? Do You desire it, okay. Well, um, okay, let me ask you this. So so I desire uh, my wife, Debbie. Is that a bad thing? So desire is not bad. When, when can you say desire is becoming an addiction? What is a sign where your desire might be misguided? Hiding. Hiding's a big one. Uh, as soon as you're looking this way and that way. Remember Moses when he killed the Egyptian? That's always a good sign. He's like, I he looked this way and he looked that way and he killed the Egyptian. Whenever you're doing that, trying to cover something up, that's a great sign. What else? What's, what's another? Right right here. You can't stop when you can't stop. Um, one of the key things, if you've tried to stop doing that activity or taking that substance if you've tried to stop, but you just keep doing it, huge indication that you're addicted to something. What else? Um, you know, thread thread what, what, help me out. For, take that a little further. What do you mean? Without getting caught or without hurting yourself? Uh, yeah. Without getting caught. Yeah, seeing how far you can push the limits without getting caught. Yeah, that, that's a good sign. Right here. That's huge. Isolation. You know, in my reading on addiction, that's one of the giant ones. Um, isolation. Uh, does anybody know Ryan Hosley? Is Ryan here this morning? Ryan? Are you, there you are. Um, Ryan. One of these days, I'm going to have you come up here and share with us because uh, uh, Ryan deals with this stuff professionally and all the time. Great dude. and um, uh, But one of the things he, he talks about a lot is relationships. Uh, you know, one of the keys, uh, uh, you know, that you can really see is what's happening with your relationships, but withdrawing and isolation is a huge sign. And, and it's funny, you can do that and still have your family, still be married, still be working, still going to church, but there's, there's men uh, that actually... Learn to be disconnected. There's another great guy we're going to have share here uh, in the church who wrote a book on the disconnected man. I'm, I'm excited to have him come and share uh, with us too on some of this stuff. But um, disconnecting, you can, you can sort of be in your isolation mode and, and, and you see it. You see it in men. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. What are some other things that we see? Uh, Randy. Randy. Do you obsess about it? Do you think, okay, when do I get my next fix of A, B, C, or D? You know, like, um, you start to become preoccupied uh, with that. Um, exactly right. Uh, what else? Yeah. You know, the thing about comfort that's interesting, um, as, as we study addiction, um, we, we realize that addiction is, is really trying to fill some kind of a hole. George said it. Uh, in his interview there, he said, "Man, there was just something you know a hole that I needed to fill. and you know and, and there's like with when you hear what George was talking about, there's some classic things going on there. Um, he He started a logging company when logging was super, super competitive uh, and um, and George had a big company and was making big buck bucks and and it was going a million miles an hour that's That's setting yourself up uh, because you can get so busy and so into what you're doing." There, there tends to be a void, in, in, um, and you've got to fill that with something. Um, and I, I, I believe that's why even, you know, uh, have you seen all these pastors lately that are falling morally and, and you think, man, those guys should be at like the cutting edge of, of success, like the pastors and, and all these guys that are, you know, we've had just guy after guy, you know, these famous pastors, big churches. And it seems like the bigger the church, the more likely the pastor' is going to fail. What's going on there? And, and people are very critical of pastors, but I, I can tell you what's going on. Those pastors are going a million miles an hour, and they're they're doing a ton of work. And they're they're all doing it because they love the Lord and they want to see the kingdom furthered meanwhile they're so busy and tired like there's a there's a combination there that's just like the guy in the regular work world who there's still this kind of they're so busy doing all the work there's still this hole and they'll fill it with something and sometimes pastors will fill it with the wrong thing just like everybody else and uh, and that fill and, and looking for that pleasure uh, you know that, that will kind of Ease up on your stress levels, your anxiety. Those are those are key things. Give me one more, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. When you try to justify, when people call you out, loved ones, friends, and you're like, "Oh man, I don't have it's okay. I got to totally control." Like when you start making that, those conversations, um, you can uh, you can yeah. That's that's exactly right. Um, yeah, you know, um, there's a ton of things like that. Um, one, one, thing, one thing that uh, I've noticed too, um, and Ryan brings this up, he wrote a, a, a chapter in a book uh, that I thought was good. One of his points that I thought, man, I see this all the time. Um, have you chosen a substance or a behavior over other obligations like your work, your school, or family? Things that like really matter but your, your addiction starts to hurt those other things. Like, like um, when you start kind of chalking off that, and you've seen it, we've seen it, men throw their marriages away, their, their kids away, uh, their work obligations away. away. Those are, that's a huge sign um, that, that things are not right and there's something that an addiction is, is hurting you. Um, have you had to incre- increase the intensity of the behavior to achieve the same desired effect? That's a sign of addiction. Um, do you feel anxious uh, or become angry if you're unable to obtain your desired substance or behavior? Those are things that are signs um, that, uh, that you're, you're addicted to something. And then, and then basically compulsion takes over. At this point, you know, um, your pleasure associated with your drug or your behavior or your substance, uh, you know, um, the, the, the memory of the desired effect that you want you, you find the need, the, the wanting to recreate uh, the, those feelings. And, um, and it's almost like your normal machinery of motivation in life that should be there that God gave you. The, the, the desire to be motivated, to do well, those things start to be swapped out with, with uh, something else. And, and the good motivations start to not function anymore. Those are signs, all of addiction. Um, consider Samson. You know, Judges chapter 13 through 16, um, I kind of look at him as the poster child of addiction, and he was addicted to lust. I think that was his, his main problem. You know, um, here's the strongest man in the world, even even stronger than George. Um, <laughs> you know, Samson was a guy, I, I love the story that a lot of people don't know. You know, you, you know about the lion, you know about him killing all the Philistines with the jawbone of an axe. But one of my favorites is when he lifted up the gates of that Philistine city and carried them thirty miles up to the top of a mountain. The gates of those city were bigger than our two barn doors back there, and weighed more than those two barn doors. Can you imagine this? Samson lifting the gates off their hinges, putting them on his back. You know, how, how does the city get their gates back to the city? You know, you don't have Chrome Corp or you know these uh, helicopters that can lift these. Like, how do you get them back? You know, you got to get a hundred men, you know, to, or more to lift these gates and carry them thirty miles back down the hill. Um, But Samson is just the the strongest man that ever walked the face of the earth. Um, And yet, where was his point of weakness? Man, he had a thing for the ladies. And his addiction got him to the point. You know, he was raised by godly parents. He had the godly Nazarite vow to steer him as a young man. And, And man, if anybody should have been successful spiritually and been able to abstain from sexual immorality, it should have been Samson the Nazarite. Those guys were known to be set aside for God's purpose. And, and yet he was drawn to the ladies. And, uh, and, you know, he had to do things in secret and he hid stuff from his parents. All the things we've talked about, Samson started doing. But one of the, one of the worst things that Samson started to do is to throw caution to the wind. When he started <clears throat> dabbling with things that he knew could destroy him, Three things as a Nazarite, don't touch any dead thing, don't drink alcohol, and uh, don't cut your hair. Um, and he touched the dead lion, he partied with the Philistines and went through a vineyard where he had no business being, you know, the, the Nazarite wasn't even supposed to have raisins. Like that's how serious, you know, nothing to do with wine, grapes, raisins, anything. Um, but, but Samson dabbled <laughs> with that. So he, as he's playing around with fire, that's, that's a sign of addiction and eventually he's going to see prostitutes and sleeping in their houses. And, um, and that's where Samson gets his eyes gouged out. You know, the, the, the results of Samson's um, sin, again, is the poster child of what happens to us when we're caught up in the bondage of, of sin. Just like Jesus said, it's going to tangle you up. And what happened to Samson? He was blinded, binded, and grinded. What, what's, what did he do? They poked out his eyes and blinded him. They bound him with fetter and chains, and he would grind at the wheel. And that's what happens to the man, uh, the person who gets all caught up in, in sin, especially sexual sin. Like that—that's exactly what happens. You're bound up, and you just find this daily grind where you're 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 just in real trouble. Sin binds, sin grinds, sin sin blinds. All that's a great sermon right there for you. It's a, right out of the book of Judges. But but while Samson. Uh, did these things. Here's one of the greatest men of all the Bible. Um, And by the way, uh, for those of you that are struggling with addiction, you know, what's great about Samson is he's still numbered in Hebrews chapter 11 as a great man of faith. Don't you love that? It gives us all hope. You know, we all have our struggles. We all have our sins. Samson had his obvious. So did David. So did others. But Samson goes down in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the great men of faith of the Old Testament what's interesting you know really you could argue Samson never really recovered from his addiction you know he 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 got caught at the very end by the Philistines after you know she cut his hair and they bound him up poked out his eyes and you know the last bit of strength he knocked down that Philistine temple and killed more Philistines in that in his death Um, so he went down in glory but but he really went down he never really recovered from his addiction. And I, I think that's kind of a sad thing. Samson judged Israel for 20 years. The strongest man in the world should have been in the Bible recorded as judging Israel for 50 years. He should have, he should, he, his, his ministry was cut short. I, I think he could have done so much more uh, for Israel. But because of his addiction, it cut short, you know, uh, what, what, what God wanted to do through him, I think. And you can see that. You can demonstrate that. So, um, you know, th- th- then you kind of think, well, man, Brad of Samson, the strongest man in the world, failed. Is recovery from addiction or, or, or fixing the problem, is it even possible? You know, um, some of you might feel kind of trapped uh, in a pattern of sin or some addiction. And, and um, the truth is God can break that cycle. And, and there's many men in this room who can attest to that. Um, there's men in this room who've had victory over pornography um, there's men in this room who've, who've like George, who's had 32 years of sobriety. Um, you know, there's there's good examples. Um, the 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 sad truth is that it's a small percentage of men that actually um, that do prevail over these things. Um, you know, um, there's a there's a story in the Bible, by the way, of a of a man who had been paralyzed for a long time. Um, and in John chapter five, verse six, Jesus. Um, said to him, he said, do you want to be made whole? Um, and I, I remember as a young guy thinking, what kind of question is that? I mean, here's this poor paralyzed guy sitting there, you know, begging by the side of the road. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be made whole? And I used to think, what a what a goofy question. Like, why is Jesus asking such a goofy Of course. But the older I get, the more I realize that's probably one of the wisest questions a person could ever ask. Um, and for those of us that struggle, you know, uh, with all kinds of addictions in this room, that's the question you have to answer right out of the gate. Do you want to be made whole? Cause unless you want to be helped, unless you really want to, you know, see uh, victory, uh, I, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, the, the, the mill, you know, kind of made George. It's like, you know, here's George just going a million miles an hour doing his thing. And they kind of said, we're not going to buy another log until you go to this rehab center. Like, um, <laughs> I can just imagine how furious you must have been, George, at that. But um, what a, those guys should get a medal. I mean, when, they, when, they, when you realize what they did, as, as hard as that may have been for them to, to write that letter uh, and just say, man, we're, you know. Um, but they obviously cared enough about you more than they cared about the logs and the income. Like, like that's the thing you, you guys have to realize. Um, man, you got to get to this place where you, you have a motivation, um, and, and by the way, f- for those of you that are here, that maybe you can help others, one of the things you can help others is help them find their motivation. Um, when, when, when Jesus asks, Do you want to be made whole? That's a good question to ask somebody who's addicted to pornography uh, or lust and, and, and alcohol and drugs. And you know, you got to ask the John 5 6 question. Um, what kind of question is that? It's, it's the right question for someone who's addicted. Not everybody who's addicted wants to be delivered. Um, they might say it with their mouths, but in their hearts, it's still something they're driving for, something they still hope they can get away with. Um, You've got to get to that place. Do, do you really want to change? Do you really want to be free um, from, from that problem that's, that's plaguing you? Um, that's an important question. Um, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, and, and the, the point is, God can change you. He He wants to change you. That's that. He's in the business of change. That's that's what God wants to do in you. Um, in in you know, the psalmist created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Um, you know, what about those desires that are so wrong? Well, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Not not everything you want, but He'll change you, so that your desires will be in line, with um with what God wants to do. You know, it's interesting, even 1 Corinthians 6.12, this is an interesting statement. Paul the Apostle told the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church was whacked out on addiction um, on all kinds of levels, but probably sexual promiscuity was the the biggest thing in Corinth. When we were in Corinth just a few weeks ago, um, it was amazing the evidence of sexual promiscuity. Um, uh, The altars uh, the niches where they had women that were naked dancing at the temples, so that they'd lure the men in to worship at the temple of uh, Astarte or Diana or you know um, uh, Aphrodite, uh, all these uh, fertility goddesses and stuff. You know Diana. Uh, you know in, in uh, Corinth we were at this little museum at Corinth, and it, it's 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 kind of crazy. They got this goddess Diana, and she stands there, and she's got like a hundred breasts. You know, a multi-breasted goddess. And for whatever reason, that turned on the boys back there in Corinth, you know, years and years ago, and, um, and they worshipped sexuality. And, and so here's Paul, and he says he says this, he says, All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient or profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. What was Paul preaching to the, the Corinthian guys? He said, man, all things are, I can do whatever but you got to understand not everything's going to be profitable and and if i if i engage in this stuff that's not profitable it's going to suck me into its powerful grip i will not be brought under the power of any and, and by the way dads this is a key for you as you teach your young your young boys um, you got to sort of and in, in, in do this gently but, and carefully, but you got to explain um, if you can catch the guys before they start engaging in pornography. A lot, of, a lot of dads don't even talk to their sons about sexuality. It's an embarrassing subject. They feel like they're, uh, my son doesn't want to hear it from me uh, about women and girls and lust. Uh, and so we'll just kind of wait uh, till the appropriate age of 21. Well, by that time, you know, it's a lost cause. Um, catch the kids when they're young and explain how um, wrong sexuality is going to feed something that's going to bring you under uh, an, a, 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 you know, a power that is hard to break free from. Um, it's that whole thing I, I told you about my dad telling, telling me, Brett, don't let Satan get a handle on you where he can jerk you around. And make you do what he wants you to do. And I, I pictured, you know, I had that little, um, you know, Superman lunch bell with the little, remember the little metal rings and the plastic handle? I, I remember I'd go off to school and my dad said, Brett, don't let Satan get a handle on you today. And and I'd walk out the door with my little lunch bell and I'd think of the handle and I, I pictured that on my back and Satan just jerking me around all the time. And so, uh, you know, at an early age, before I even knew it, you know, promiscuity or sexual perversion was I knew that there was something about that topic even as a little kid I knew that there's something there you don't want to go there because it's wrong and it's gonna it's like a magnet it's gonna get you and draw you in where you cannot break free dads you gotta you gotta kind of tell the nature of those kinds of sins because man once that little kid sees that first image of a naked woman and they will see it Um, I remember it was second grade. I think Joey wasn't second grade. That kid was selling pages of uh, Penthouse Magazine, I think, in in Joey's second grade class. Uh, Some boy was bringing his dad's, you know, pages from, you know, he brought to school and was selling, you know, he's a businessman in second grade, selling pornography, you know. Um, uh, That's a pretty early introduction, you know, but that, that, you know, your kids, you know, you got to get it early so that they know, man, run for your life, run for your life from that sort of thing. Um, So, you know, part of it's understanding the sin nature that the Bible teaches about. Um, You know, sin nature, Romans chapter seven, Paul kind of nails this down. Listen to this, Romans seven, verses 18 and 19. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would not do, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Paul's saying, man, I got this war, this struggle in my flesh. Um, and 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 to know that, to understand that in me dwelleth no good thing, uh, for me is to will, to do the right thing, that's present with me. In other words, I, I do want to do the right thing, but how to perform that which is good, that's what I can't find. So so this is Paul the apostle saying, man, we got this war in, in, the, in the flesh. And Jesus Kind of said the same thing to his disciples. Remember in Matthew twenty-six, verse forty-one, Jesus said, "Watch and pray." Now, now there's two words there: watch and pray. We should meditate on that. What does it mean to watch and pray? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what Paul was saying. I want to do the right thing, but within me, there's no good thing, and, and I don't find how to do it. Jesus gives us a hint saying, well, that part of you that, where the Spirit is willing and your flesh is weak, that's where you got to watch and pray. That's one of the tools God gives us. And then the Bible, of course, Paul goes on with the Romans and encourages us to change. Listen to this, Romans 13. I'm just going through some quick stuff. You can jot down these notes and study these things perhaps further. But in Romans 13, through 14 says this, And that, knowing the time, now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness." And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife or envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Key, key tool Paul the Apostle gives you and me about addiction right here. Um, And it's what George was talking about. He called them hurdles, uh, you were a hurdler in track, weren't you in high school? Um, and uh, you know, uh, to put a hurdle—that's that, something to say. Okay, we got to slow this thing down, right? Um, we were not just going to beeline for that. We're going to put some hurdles and slow. Get, get and 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 that's that's what it means. Like that's kind of the way of putting what Paul's saying. I'm going to make no provision to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Um, what is it to make provision to fulfill the lust of the flesh? Well, I think many of us know what that looks like. You, you um, have that secret, you know, uh, account or that secret, uh, you know, device that you can, you know, uh, search uh, for porn and stuff. You've got that secret subscription or, or whatever the thing is. You know, um, uh, when you're, you've, you've made a way to get away with what you do and your addiction and feed that. Where the Bible says, man, you've got to put on, put off the works of darkness, and put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, what does that mean? You know, it means i got to realize I've got uh, night clothes. And the night is far spent. The day is, it's time to change. It's time to wake up. And, and put off all the things that I do that makes provision to fulfill the lust. It's like George mentioned, something I preach about. I say, Christians ask the wrong question. They say, how far can I go and still be saved? How far in sin can I go and still? You're just making provision right there to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The question we should be asking better is how far away from that stuff can we be and, uh, and, and walk with the Lord? Not how far, you know. By the way, that's just one of the reasons why um, I don't drink alcohol and I never have. It's, it's, it's because I'm a pastor and I want to set a good example. But also, I've got a lot of friends, tons of friends. Two of my friends, good friends, have died because of alcohol. Good friends. Uh, I've done funerals in the last couple of years of guys I cared about deeply and they died because they were alcoholics. One guy blew his head off with a gun, um, and he, every time I'd talk about alcohol, he'd be the first guy to come and talk to me, alcohol, you you can still drink and be a Christian, and that was his big argument, but it was ultimately alcohol that got him to a place where he shot himself in the head. Um, I, I just don't want to be making provision to fulfill the lust of the flesh in my life, so I'm just going to drink you know, something else, (laughs) Kool-Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid, Brett, but you're missing out. I I don't really care and I don't really feel like I'm missing out because I've never really tasted um, what beer or alcohol is like, so I don't miss anything. I feel bad for some of you guys. Oh, Brett, a, a nice cold beer after work, it's just awesome. That's great and you can do that. I just have too many friends and I also know my own personal nature. I'm not sure I could just stick with one beer. I'm struggling enough with Taco Bell right now with my addiction of food, I love food. Um, and man, you can't quit cold turkey on food. It's tough. Um, that's what makes food addiction so hard. Um, but, um, but, but man, I can cold turkey alcohol, and, and so can you. And, and, and also, I didn't want to have alcohol in my, in my home where my kids were seeing that. And, and maybe, how do I know they're not going to become addicted to that? But what if they just learn to drink socially? That's between them and the Lord. But, but man, for me, it's just so much easier to uh, put the hurdles around myself and put the hurdles around for, for those those buddies that I have that struggle with alcohol, I don't want to make any stumbling blocks for them. So it's an easy thing for me. Um, you know, making no provision uh, can, you know, how do you put hurdles in things like pornography? Um well, I mean, there's, there's, there's things we've talked about. We've done a whole ironwork session on pornography addiction, and we've talked about accountability with brothers. We've talked about even how you can make software, make you a little more accountable. There's ways you can, if you really wanna sin, you can still do it, but they're hurdles. They're things that will slow you down a little bit. Um, and it's what the Bible's saying, make no provision to fulfill the lust. You gotta, you gotta provide those hurdles that are gonna slow down, whether it's drugs or alcohol. Make yourself accountable. We've done whole sessions in Ironworks about accountability and having a, a, accountability groups. If you have a group of men that know you and know your struggles and know your addictions, a group of three or four guys that you meet with regularly, we've done whole sessions on this. That's gonna help you to not make provision to fulfill the lust of your flesh, once you start talking about um, those addictions and, and the things that you struggle with and, and when you slipped and when you made a mistake. Uh, and those guys won't run around and blab it around to everybody else in the world, but they'll know, man, you're, you're struggling. We're going to come alongside of you and, and help you. Um, to not make provision means to, when you realize you're addicted, to say, how can I bring this out into the light? Um, um, that's that. I'll finish up with that. Bringing it out of the light is kind of a key. But, um, but uh, how do you, you know, do this? You, you know, you got to put those hurdles. Make no provision. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, what a key that is. Um, uh, you know. By the way, conf- uh, the one thing the, the the mill did to George, confronting, they confronted George really with with that. And I do think that's a biblical notion. And for those of you guys that have buddies. I do think that if, if I have one regret over the years is I wished I maybe would have come on a little stronger with some of my bro- brothers and buddies who've gone down in flames in their addiction. Um, you know, I, 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 um, you know George and I have a friend, good friend, who was here at Athe Creek at the very first Athey Creek Sunday service. Uh, he was here. And, um, and, and this guy was successful he had uh, a beautiful home up on the hill in Cascade Summit. Um, he had a f- beautiful family, an amazing job, uh, and um, everything was like great. But he's an alcoholic, and George and I worked with him and helped him out and tried and talked to the family and you know and we years of just trying to chip away and um, and. Uh, but we were nice about it, and we, we you know, and we even uh, got, convinced him to go to a rehab center once. And um, but he'd leave; he'd always leave early, and um, you know. But but it was really tough because I remember one time George and I were called because he was in the hospital, and it had to do with his alcohol. But basically, the doctor was like, "Man, if you don't stop drinking, you're gonna die." And so I, I think that's as pointed as we were is when George and I went and visited him in the hospital and said, "Man." We got to get you sober. We got we to, gotta, you got to, you know, and, and you know, we kind of did everything we knew how at that time to try to help him, but this was the kind of guy that at the very beginning of what I was talking about, he really didn't want, he didn't really want to change. He didn't really want to be sober. Um, so where are things now? Well, he, he died, was it last year or about, uh, you know, about a year ago, and, um, and it was because of alcohol, and um, they lost the house, their, their daughter is, is gone, not walking with the Lord, into all kinds of weird stuff and sad. Um, heartbreaks on that one. Um, you know, his wife is still walking with the Lord and, and loves the Lord and still plugged into Athey. And she's one of the, I admire her. She's one of the real troopers that I, I have to say, uh, through the hardest things I've seen a person go through, she's just plugging away, you know. And uh, Deb and I pray for her uh, daily. She's a close friend and, and, and yet... To see where, what alcohol did to that family, um, it makes me kind of wish I could rewind and maybe just be more hardcore somehow. Um, what do you do when you need to confront someone who's really an addict? Well, James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says this, brethren, if you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Um, that's a pretty strong word from James, isn't it? Man, if you go and say, I'm gonna, you're, you're given to sin and addiction, and I'm gonna do whatever I can, if it kills me, I'm gonna do it um, to show you the error of the way, your way so that it will save your soul from death. Like I've got too many practical examples where I've seen this, where maybe I, I could have done a little more. And you know, you, I can't own it, Um, and the soul that sins it shall die that's what the bible says so it's not my fault but at the same time i want to listen to james and be that guy and and the commendation is man if if a person converts that there's there's a hiding of a multitude of sins that sounds pretty good to me um hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, discipline seems unpleasant, uh, you know, but it, and painful, but it, it's going to bring about a real blessing. and And I think we 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 tend to love our friends who are addicted to stuff, and we don't want to bother them, and we don't want to be jerks about it. But um, sometimes I think confronting is a biblical. Thing and and um, and maybe it is to confront somebody and say I think you need to go get counsel, some good godly counsel and um, and whether that's a you know a professional counselor like Ryan, uh, which is, has helped a lot of people, a lot of guys out of especially sexual addiction, uh, man, to to just say man I'll I'll pay for it. I'll help you. And I don't know if even that's healthy. You know, sometimes a guy, we've tried to pay for guys to go get counsel from, you know, they won't listen to anybody else. So, hey, we'll, we'll pay your way. And, and even that doesn't work because it, it doesn't have value to them. They still don't care. They still don't want it. We're, we're caring about them more than they're caring about themselves. But, but that's one thing you and I as brothers should not be afraid to do is to lovingly but even firmly and even a little bit prickly sometimes confront Addiction, and just call it out lovingly, uh, but but powerfully. I think that's important. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, I, I kind of end on this notion. Um, um, one of the greatest things, and, and there's so many uh, aspects to addiction and, and how people can really recover and who should be involved, accountability, counseling, you know, coming to see a pastor at AC Creek. You know, um, with the pornography thing, we identified kind of three levels of addiction with pornography here in our one of our sessions. And it was like, you know, if you've stumbled in, in, in pornography, um, there's kind of a level where you, you realize, man, that's sin. I need to run for my life. And you need to confess to the Lord and start fresh. And just you and the Lord, and, and you can deal with that. There's others, kind of the next tier of pornography, where, man, you, you've stumbled a lot in it. And, you know, it's starting to affect your life and your relationships. And that's where you need to come into the church office and, and get, you know, meet with a pastor and, and confess your sins one to another, like the Bible says, and, and, and get some encouragement and help from a pastor here at Athey. Um, We're here for you. We've got pastors on staff who are good and, and are just godly men who know the word, who will come alongside of you. And they're not going to expose you and, you know, rat you out on everybody. Oh, that guy struggles with pornography. That's not going to happen. Um, that's kind of tier number two. But there's a third tier where a person is um, so far deep in and consumed by, uh, you know, sexual addiction. Um, that's where, you know, you need to come in, meet with a pastor, and we will um, kind of give you uh, sort of a plan and a program that we will encourage you to do. And it'll probably include going to get some professional counsel uh, from a guy like Ryan or, you know, or someone who can really work through What's the real origin and the problem of why is this happening? We need to get this and, and hold some accountability, you know, because it's at that level where it's starting to affect your life, your marriage, your intimacy with your wife. All these things that uh, it can it can do so much damage, and um, and you got to be willing, uh, and 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 so that's like just with pornography, let alone drugs and alcohol. There's so many pieces here, but. In kind of a generality, it ends with this. First John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Let me let me read that to you. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. God is light, and if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship, not just with God, but one with another. One of of the things you guys identified as evidence of of addiction is isolation. You know, and listen to what Jesus said about isolation. Uh, John chapter three, verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation. Listen, that light is come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Let me read that again. This is the condemnation that light is come to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil for everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest, or made known, that they are wrought in God, or in other words, where God can actually deal with them. Um, I know this is a hard passage, but it basically, our addictions that we so desperately want to hide in the dark um, need to be brought into the light. Uh, one of the greatest disinfectants of um, our our horrible call it a disease if you want to our diseases of addiction. The way you get rid of that disease is get some sunlight on that whole thing. And I'm talking about S-O-N, the light of Christ. Um, as we walk in the light of the we'll have fellowship one with another. Um, the more isolated a man becomes, the more I'm concerned about his own walk and about what he's doing behind closed doors. Um, you know, I, one thing I love about George in, in, in starting out this with, you know, everything I've seen George do, he goes full bore. Um, you know and, and that's what I like about him you know when he was a logger he was like a logger's logger like he, he knew how to get it done he makes the guys on the logging show look like wimps uh, uh, and, and stuff uh, by the way I, I got to use his chainsaw the other day and he's got a certain way of filing what do you call that uh, chisel edge uh, and, and he the sharp, sharpest chainsaw I've ever used. I was sawing just, uh, and, and uh, man, with that saw, I was just like, just, just a little wrap of the throttle, and you got just uh, chips of wood, just fly. And it was, and so I was like, oh man, if I could sharpen my, my chain like this, you know. But I love the, the skills. When we ride dirt bikes, you know, uh, George never goes half-hearted. It's always whee, throttle, pinning to win it, you know. And and uh, even if he hits the ground really, he hits the ground pretty hard too. I've noticed. Um, uh, I've seen him take some soil samples once in a while um, and dirt bikes. Uh, but uh, but full bore, you know. But one of the things I love is when he plugged into Eighthy Creek. He plugged in full bore. There was no oh, I'll show up on a Sunday and just kind of chill and sneak out. I don't want to get to know the pastor too much because he might call me out on something or like I I notice there's guys that sort of sheepishly come and go uh, and it makes me worry about them. I love how George just engaged, got to know some of the other brothers um, you know, uh, you know, g- go out and grab some pancakes at uh, you know for breakfast, or, or you know, hang out and drink some coffee, like getting to know brothers and, and kind of start bringing the light in, let light into your life. And and the more you you find yourself withdrawing from people and withdrawing from you know even your wife, I've seen husbands who are walking in sin and addiction, and and they learn how to still be married but distance themselves and they don't really have an open relationship with their wives. And man, it's amazing how unhealthy marriages can go for so many years. All the while, the wife's wondering, what in the world's going on? And you can say, oh man, everything's good. I'm just not really affectionate. I'm not a hugger. I'm not a, and you kind of cover your reasons why you're, but meanwhile, there's some really dark deed and men love the darkness because their deeds are sinful. Man, we got to walk into the light. we got to bring it out. And, and there's ways to do that. Your accountability group, a pastor here at the church, go sign up for some counseling, but get the light on the, su- on the subject. Disinfect whatever's plaguing your life because you might be pulling it off right now, but you and I both know, be sure of this, your sin will find you out. It's one of the truest things in the Bible. All these men who thought they were pulling it off, getting away with it, you know, 20, 30 years. And they did, they do, but eventually it really does catch up. And for you younger married men, don't let it go 20 or 30 years. Um, The Lord wants you to walk in victory. He wants your marriage to be rich. He wants your life and your kids to be healthy. Um, And and the question is, are you going to bring those those things into the light before they do their damage? Or are you going to have to kind of um, look back in your life and think man I wish I would have done this 30, 40 years ago that's the question um, it might sound condemning, it might sound brutal but what I'm saying is perhaps the most important thing, anybody who's an a- addicted of any kind uh, it's the most important thing you'll ever hear uh, if we walk in the light as he in the light we will have fellowship one with another there's, there's a camaraderie and a brotherhood that's there that, that needs to happen um, so, you know the relationship with Christ, relationship with others. Um, that's that's maybe one of the great litmus tests for you. Um, uh, is is how are your relationships? And if your relationships are, if you're working at distancing yourself from other relationships with the Lord, or with other people, man, why are you doing that? Ask yourself why, and it, does it have anything to do with? sort of keeping your deeds in the dark or um, um, maybe you really are just antisocial, uh, which is a problem of its own. We could talk about that on another time. But I think the Lord wants us to have fellowship and wants us to be accountable one to another. That's, that's what God calls us to do. Um, would you bow with me in prayer and let's pray for one another right now and um, uh, would you just right now quietly in your heart say, Lord, where am I at on some of this stuff, on darkness Am I pursuing darkness because my deeds are sinful? And then um, I like to challenge a guy, and myself included, what are you going to do? You know, because we listen to Bible studies, we get good at taking the notes, and because we've taken the notes, we think we've accomplished something. But, but instead of taking notes uh, only, what if we walk out of this room saying, okay, I've got something to do here. And maybe it's to... Um, this week call Pastor Gabe and set up an appointment with one of the pastors at athe maybe it's to call your accountability group and say man we gotta have some coffee and I got some stuff we need to open up um, for others it might be getting counsel, real counsel for you know deep problems that are you know maybe you've been harboring those things for years It's and you know it's time to, to actually do something about it um as the Lord just kind of taps you on the shoulder, the question is, what are you going to do? And and then and then kind of make a commitment right now and say, okay, this 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 week I'm going to tackle this uh, and start on this path of walking in the light and uh, restoring relationships with the Lord, with others, um, and and then and then seeing victory. Um, I love it when I see a guy who's actually been able to rise above those dark things because man you just see freedom you see joy in their heart and their lives there's there's guys in this room that'll talk about pornography and it makes us all blush because like man i was addicted to pornography i looked at this that and and you know they'll talk about you're like oh man this kind of awkward um but you realize but look at that guy he's got joy because he's been restored um there's something about that that's really really good so just pray right now, Lord show us. Lord, I do ask that you'd um, just show each one of us Lord, there's so many things in this world in this life that um, we can find ourselves drawn to and even addicted to and and I pray Lord that um, if there's um, any addiction of any level that you would just reveal that to us Lord and search our hearts, see if there be any wicked way in in us Lord and and we know all these things whether it's Um, alcohol, drugs, gluttony, um, sexual promiscuity, um, addiction to technology uh, that can also be linked to other addictions. Lord, we we just see so many things that um, in our culture, in our day, that can really snag a guy and chain him up, bind him up. Lord, I pray that those chains would be broken that there would just be a real victory, Lord. I pray that You'd give my brothers not only the will to to do, but the heart to execute those those actions that um, that they need to do. Lord, I pray that that right at the beginning You'd give us the desire for victory, Lord. Cre- just create that desire, Lord. Even as we delight in You, that You would give us the new desires, um, new cravings. That our cravings would be for You, for fellowship, for Um, just the richness of walking with you, Lord. And uh, Lord, I know that a lot of these things can be a lifetime even of struggle. But I I know, Lord, that there's a day that's coming where we will have um, all the tears wiped away and even the struggles and the challenges, the temptations that so easily snag us. Lord, there's gonna come a day where old things will really pass away and all things really will become new. We look forward to that day, but until then, give my brothers victory. Lord, give us a a know-how to do the right thing and follow what your word teaches. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's stand together.